Well, this is Dr. Stan here at Radio Liberty, coming to you from the hills overlooking beautiful and picturesque Monterey Bay and, and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at, that illusion is usually king. But in the battle for the survival of Christian civilization, it's going to be reality and not illusion or delusion that will determine what the future will bring. And I need to remind you the views expressed here are not necessarily those of the owners, management, staff, sponsors, or supporters of the station you're listening to. They happen to be my views, and well, for the next hour, they're going to be the views of James Corbett, who writes the lead editorial for the International Forecaster twice a week, certainly one of our favorite guests and one the best informed people about what's really going on in this troubled world we live in today. James, thank you very much for being with us. We missed you. Well, thank you so much for having me back. It is great to be back with you and your informed audience for 2014, and let's make it a good year. All right, fine. Well, I, I, I think it'll be a good year as far as information is concerned. I'm really not that optimistic, though, as far as the economy is concerned, because it looks like the economy over in Europe is contracting. It looks like the economy in China is contracting. It looks like the economy in the United States is contracting. And even though the, uh, they tell us the unemployment rate is, is declining, and why more and more people don't have jobs, which doesn't quite make sense. But then we live in a world that's gone mad. Why don't you pick up the story and tell us what you think about what's really going on and what should people be doing and why is gold acting so well recently? Well, that that's a very good question, but perhaps we should start by taking a look at one of the major events that's going to be first up on the kind of economic calendar for 2014, and that's going to be the changeover from Ben Bernanke to Janet Yellen as the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. And although I, I think this is to some extent a kind of puppet position that's really just a mouthpiece for, for Wall Street and the banking oligarchy, at any rate, there has been a pattern over the past few Fed chairpeople um, um, from Bernanke, Bernanke and Greenspan before him and Volcker before him, of various crises basically hitting the, uh, the, the governor, the incoming governor within with, very quickly after taking office. So, of course, with uh, Volcker, he was facing the uh, stagflation crisis and, the, uh, and what was happening there. There in the late 70s, um, uh, Greenspan, when he took over, it was just a couple of months after he took over that Black Monday hit the markets. And then um, when uh, when Bernanke took over in 2006, of course, that was the uh, the peak of the housing bubble just before the pop. So we've had this string of uh, Federal Reserve Board of Governors who've come in and had had to deal with the crisis. So the question, of course, is, well, will such an event be greeting Janet Yellen as she takes the reins uh, come February 1st? And if, if that is the case, then what would be the crisis that she would be facing? And I think that uh, it would probably be the one that we identified last year and that is still the most worrying part of all of this, which is the uh, the popping of the bond bubble that has been blowing up over the past several years through the injection of all this liquidity via the quantitative easing. And uh, what the popping of the bond bubble means, of course, is that at, at some point, interest rates are going to explode to the point where they, they probably should be, given how unreliable the, uh, the U.S. credit really is. And when and if that happens, of course, as we've talked about, the uh, the debt becomes com- almost completely unserviceable, and uh, and the rails really start to come off the American economy at that point. So that is, I think, the next major crisis we're facing. Whether it will hit within you know within a short time of Yellen taking the reins, or whether it will be further down the road, is is not up to you or I to decide. But at any rate, I think that is on the economic cards. 
I certainly agree with you, and I think I really feel, really feel rather sorry for Mrs. Yellen because she's going to be given the uh, the blame for whatever happens. She'll have nothing to do with it. But of course, nobody wants to admit that basically it is impossible for a small group of men and or women to control an economy of the magnitude that we have. They can prop it up for a while by putting and pouring in massive amounts of money, but uh, you know, basically as you pour in more and more money, a trillion dollars, a year, basically, eventually, you're going to get to the point where this whole thing is going to break loose. Oh, there's going to be, you have to have, so they contract the money supply. Unfortunately, we've got so much money out there. Why? I don't see how we're going to be able to avoid, avoid a spiral of inflation. We're going to be back here in just a moment with James Corbett. We'll welcome your calls at one 24 liberty right here at Ready Liberty. While a storm cloud gathers, or a frost of tears. Well, this is Dr. Stan. Our, our telephone number is one triple eight two four liberty one triple eight two four liberty or four six four eight two nine five. Our guest is James Corbett, and James is simply a, a talking about what he sees coming up very soon. Because the end of this month, Mrs. Yellen or Miss Yellen will take over control of the Federal Reserve System. But it seems that whenever a new person comes in and takes over the Fed, there's some sort of an economic catastrophe. And if you look and see what's happening throughout the world, there are terrible times over in Italy and in Spain and even. German, the German economy is not as healthy as it should be. The Chinese economy is not doing that well. And Sydney, here in America, we're being told that things are getting better. But I don't really believe that's true. What are your thoughts here? Is the economy really picking up as we're being told, James? Well, again, we don't have to rely on the talking heads or people like you and, and, and I to, to make the observation. I'm sure everyone who's listening can just uh, understand from their own observations in their own personal life that this is what has been termed laughably the jobless recovery, and that continues apace. In fact, in December, there was a particularly brutal month for jobs that uh, that we saw an incredible amount of people dropping out of the labor force. And uh, and so we, we've basically hit 35-year lows in terms of labor participation rates. And for people who don't know, rather than the unemployment rate, the labor participation rate is the uh, percentage of people who are actually of working age and who are actually employed. And uh, we saw that in November go down to a 35-year low from 63.2% to 62.8%, which means that almost half of working age um, men and women in America do not have a job, which is just an, a staggering figure and, again, hasn't been seen since that time of that stagflation crisis in the late 1970s. So that right there, I think, is the picture of what we're facing. And, of course, we all know about the uh, increasing uh, income inequality in the United States, whereby the, the top, not just 1%, but really the top 0.1% have uh, accumulated more and more and more wealth as the bottom 50% or so of the American populace continues to be shrunk out of the equation altogether. So um, it is a, a pretty dire time all around for the average person and probably most of the people who are listening to this broadcast. And I think people can see that in their own lives without having to listen to the, the talking heads tell them about it. And again, that just goes to the, sort of the power of the media to frame our reality that they can continue to say that the recovery is taking place and everything looks rosy, even as we are facing this really challenging economic time. And of course, as we've talked about the popping of that bond bubble and the, the possibility of uh, staggering rates. Of hold that thought, hold that thought here. 
Well, this is Dr. Stan. I guess it's James Corbett. I telephone number one triple eight two four liberty one eight 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 two four liberty or four six four eight two nine five here in the central coast of California. That's one eight 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 two four liberty or four six four eight two nine five here in the central coast of California. And James is certainly saying that uh, it looks like we're going to be having some very serious financial problems. We don't know how soon it's coming, but we do know that we're not being told the truth by the media. And more and more people, it's almost half the people, not quite, but certainly almost half the people in this country who are over 16 years of age and eligible for work are simply not working. And that figure keeps going up and up, certainly, certainly in the month of December. Why ordinarily it takes 150,000 jobs a month just to keep even with all the new people coming in the labor market. And in the month of December, when we should have had the highest possible employment, because of course all the Christmas jobs, why there were only 70,000, not 150,000 jobs to break even. We actually went behind in December. And if you look at the number of people with disability uh, who've gone on disability since Barack Obama has been in office, almost doubled the number, and more and more people just not working, looking for some means of playing the system. Now, certainly, what we're going to have to do is prolong the unemployment of benefits, you know, and certainly that's what's going on in the Senate today. And I feel very sorry for the people who are unemployed and have lost their unemployment benefits. But the problem is you can't keep putting out money you don't have. And we're borrowing a trillion dollars a year, no matter what they say. We're borrowing at least a trillion dollars a year. How much money the Fed has actually put out to help finance the rest of the world, we don't know because it's all secret. And I fear, as, as James does, that we're on the verge of some very, very serious complications. If you're out there and you have a question or comment, don't be bashful. One eight 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 two four Liberty or four six four eight two nine five and let's go to John calling from Michigan. Hi John, how are we doing? Good evening, Doctor. I'm I'm so blessed. Uh, I can't complain. Now, are you listening to us on the radio station there and uh, in the in the area around Flint or where about? No, I'm in I'm near Traverse City, past uh, Shortwave. Okay, fine. Listening on Shortwave. Do you have a question or comment for our guest? Yes, they do in Japan, and there's a concern over here with, you know, of course, the Fukushima. I don't know if you can comment on it, but I know this would probably affect a lot of things if there was an issue going on there. And, and, and I also would like to ask you, do you feel uh, like years um, might be uh, at risk by, by living? All right, fine, James. Two questions. Number one, are you in a position to comment on Fukushima and what's going on there since you live in Japan? And secondly, do you feel that you may be at risk by living in Japan? Go right ahead. Yes, well, these are very good questions and obviously questions I get quite a lot because I, for those who don't know, I do live in Japan. So um, obviously this is something I'm keeping a close eye on. And uh, for, the, for all of the up-to-date information, I would really suggest people go to FukushimaUpdate.com. That's all one word, FukushimaUpdate.com. That's my uh, my Fukushima website where I basically post all of the latest news about the radiation and how it's affecting uh, Japan and the rest of the world as well. And one on that more note, time, no, one more time, what is that website? That's FukushimaUpdate.com and Fukushima FukushimaUpdate.com. Yes. Okay. Yes. And basically, what uh, would you say that is this the problem that we're being told? In other words, uh, we're, we're being told, of course, we're being contaminated here on the west coast of California that they're getting ready to evacuate 
evacuate people here. So these levels of radiation are becoming prohibitive, and I'm sure there are real problems in Japan, but I can't believe most of what I'm reading. And how about also the 98% of the floor of the ocean is strewn with dead life there because of the radiation? I think, well, what are your thoughts on it? It's an extremely important topic, and it's important to stress that the Fukushima disaster is an ongoing and unfolding disaster, and it does need to be continually monitored because there are still problems going on at that site, and there will continue to be for the foreseeable future. It is continuing to leak radioactive contents out into the ocean, so this is a developing um, problem, but it's also important to note there's been a lot of fear-mongering that's been um, happening around this, especially in the alternative media lately. Um, the for The first part of the radiation plume from the uh, the Fukushima site is starting to reach the west coast right now, but the idea that this is at, at this point causing these mass die-offs at, and and things of that nature is at the very very best is completely unproven and unfounded at this point. And I think we have to be very cautious before jumping to any conclusions about this, especially because some people have gotten some of the basic facts just completely wrong. For example, there's been people talking about starfish die-offs, starfish wasting disease and things like this being a a product of Fukushima, when in fact that's been documented going back as far back as 2008, 2009. They were already doing studies on this phenomenon, and that was, of course, uh, two or three years before Fukushima even started. So so this is um, a problem that's that's been happening recently where where sort of, I think the alternative media has been going too far in in drawing some of their conclusions about what's happening there. But as I say, FukushimaUpdate.com has all of the latest information about where the, uh, the radiation is and what the levels are and how they're being measured, etc. So I hope people will go there and use that as a resource. Okay, FukushimaUpdate.com. Okay, and then of course James asks if you feel that you are in any danger, and I assume that he's probably referring to nuclear and or uh, certainly financial danger living in Japan, because suddenly is the Japanese economy beginning to come back again, or is Japan suddenly still in a recession? Well, I think they've increased the amount of, of currency, about 20% over there, which is highly inflationary and destructive, but is this going to solve the economic problems of Japan by making your products cheaper so they can be more readily exported. Japan has been in the recession for 20 years. Go right ahead. What are your thoughts? Right. Well, well, I guess there's four ways that I could feel threatened living in Japan. Not only the nuclear crisis and not only the financial crisis, also the military crisis, which continues to develop over here. And we've seen some even more bellicose language between Japan and China in recent, uh, in recent weeks. And, uh, and then the, the, uh, the other way in which uh, I, I might feel threatened in Japan is they've just passed a new state secrets bill, which uh, makes it illegal to pass anything classi- uh, that's called classified information to report on that in the media. And as a media outlet here in Japan, um, that at least theoretically um, touches on the work that I'm doing, although I think it's more lame- aimed at the Japanese language media. So there's a lot of things developing here. And on the financial note that you just mentioned, um, obviously, as we've been talking about on this program, for, for months and months now, the uh, Japan really is on the front line of this developing crisis and probably one of the first economies that will go under if and when that financial crisis does eventuate. And as you say, they've been engaged in their own quantitative easing and uh, they're they're bent on doubling the money supply by 2015 and they're already uh, a significant way, uh, part of the way there. And unfortunately, there isn't a lot of uh, rosy news on that front because although that did um, bring about a, a rally in the Nikkei stock um, index here in Japan over the past year, that uh, that really is, seems to be a bubble that's just been based on speculation rather than anything about fundamentals of what's happening in the stocks here. And uh, the 
the entire premise of, of all of this is that as they start to inflate the money supply, um, the companies here are going to start uh, increasing uh, wages for their employees. But so far, that has not started happening. So at any rate, uh, this looks like at, at this point, it's only causing inflation and is not inflating um, people's salaries to go along with it. So it really is just squeezing everyone, not only the retirees and people living on fixed incomes, but also the working aged population who continues to see their quality of life being eroded. And basically, of course, ladies and gentlemen, when you destroy the value of the currency, which they're in the process of doing in Japan, and this leads to terrible, terrible ultimate consequences. And basically, people work their whole life, and they save money, and they're frugal, and the Japanese are wonderful people. And now, suddenly, they're simply stealing from them. Inflation is a means of stealing from the populace. And the average individual really doesn't understand it. It sounds so good. We're going to get the economy going again, but the price is going to be dead devastating for the average person. Anything else you, John from Michigan, wanted to ask before we let you go? Well, Doctor, I just hope that, uh, James, you're, you're protected and the food that you have access to is, is uh, quality so that uh, you can continue giving us this great information. Okay, fine. Thanks very much. That's John from Michigan. Let's go to John who's calling from Spokane, Washington. Again, our number, one triple eight two four liberty one eight 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 two four liberty or... Four six four two nine five and hi John from Spokane. Do you have a question or comment for our guest? I have a question. Um, it seems like since gee whiz, the late '80s, uh, Japan, whether it's starting as far as economic attack, has has just been getting pummeled. For example, I was in Hong Kong. I think it was '89, and uh, it was still catering to the Japanese businessmen. They were the guys that had all the money. And then shortly after that, things started to erode. And then it's like when they when they try to get on top of the, on top of their scene, even like you know, what what happened here in recent years with Toyota and the recalls, and they find out some of that stuff was bogus. It's just like the powers that be are doing everything they can to throw rocks in the road of Japan. And I'd like to get James' comment on that whole subject. Well, I mean, but, but in, in what way? In other words, is it the, well, that the industrialists are, putting, are, are suddenly creating a problem or that they, they said that the government's creating a problem or, or what is the essence of the problem? Certainly, there are a lot of things going on over there that are creating problems. Which one are you specifically speaking to? Or are you speaking to um, all the problems? I, I personally think that, you know how it is that we're, we'll just call them the one world or these guys um, have their agenda, and so at any given time, they'll target a country, a uh, section, whatever the case may be, and then, boom, they, take and they start taking those guys out, whether economically or whether it's uh, through war or whatever the case may be. And it seems like, despite all the productivity of Japan, all the innovation of Japan, whether it's from their own people or outside, like for example, recently, Toyota has been acknowledged as having some of the finest products, if not, you know, in terms of just uh, durability and just quality for the buck, the best products. And then when GM gets its bailout and American companies, then just, just about everything that can possibly happen to Toyota starts happening to Toyota. And it just seems like, despite Japan's efforts to be productive and uh, to rise above this whatever it is that causes economic fallout, 
they just can't seem to do it. I hold, that thought, hold that thought. We'll be back in a moment. Well, this is Dr. Stan, I guess, James Corbett. Uh, James, do you have any uh, thoughts at all about what John was talking about? Uh, he seems to really feel that the, uh, certainly the uh, Japanese products are excellent, uh, and I certainly agree with him. I think Toyota, Toyota puts out a wonderful car. We have my wife's car. We've had it for 20 years. She wouldn't have, uh, she just uh, uh, shudders at the thought of ever having anything happen to that car. We've it's, it's, but anyway, Sydney, uh, what about the lot of the Japanese people and the industry over there? Any thoughts at all you'd like to share? Well, I have to concur with the caller. I do agree that it does seem that Japan has been targeted for the last couple of decades um, financially and industrially and in every other way. Um, they, they've certainly been um, not a nation that's that's had uh, luck going their way at any rate. And I think that it has more less to do with luck and more to do with the New World Order agenda, as he was pointing out. But it it is puzzling because uh, Japan has always been a kind of a favored nation in that New World Order system. And of course, one of the three... Um, pegs of the trilaterals. So uh, it's always been something that that has had close relations and insider kind of connections with the Rockefellers and other people who are prominent in that New World Order pyramid. So it is kind of strange that the uh, Japanese people are being targeted in this way. But if if there is a reason for this, um, I would speculate that it might have something to do with moving Japan into a new era whereby the militarism and imperialism and nationalism can rise once again. And obviously that can't happen in an era of prosperity and peace and happiness. That can only come about through economic and military and, and other types of shocks to the system. And as we've seen that happening here in Japan over the past couple of decades, we are now getting to the point where the prime minister here just uh, recently announced that by 2020, he wants to actually revise the Japanese constitution, which, as most people know, was drawn up during the American occupation after the Second World War, and which specifically prohibits Japan from having an offensive army. And uh, and he wants to amend that to make it possible once again for the Jap uh, for Japan to have a, a military. Um, that, of course, they do pretty much have a military in the so-called self-defense force, but it is not uh, technically classified as a military, and it's not uh, technically they're not allowed to use it for offensive missions, but they want to change that. And I don't think that type of talk would have been possible or even thinkable if Japan was still going along like it was in the 1980s. So if this, if these shocks have done anything, it has been to move the uh, the population towards that type of agenda. And and that seems to be where the uh, the 21st century is is going to be playing out largely is in this Asia Pacific region as uh, China continues to be bolstered up by the you know American offshoring of of industrial capacity to China to make it into this behemoth that then becomes this military monster. So I think it is part of a larger unfolding agenda, and it, it sometimes works in ways that, that is a bit surprising on the surface. I think that uh, basically, uh, John, why we have, uh, the, we're creating the best enemy money could buy in China, and I think that Japan is going to be in the front lines of this battle. Remember, we have 35, over 35,000 troops permanently stationed in Japan. Japan is an occupied nation. Nobody will tell you that, but Japan is an occupied nation, and they would not be talking about certainly building with their military forces without the full acknowledgement and consent of the what I call the invisible government of the Trilateral Commission. Call it what you will. I think we're moving towards a terrible, terrible world war. Anything else, John, before we let well, you go? No, that pretty much does it. Just the one comment, it seems like 
you know, with Maurice Strong and some of the other boys moving into China uh, um, about that, time, you know, the 80s and what have you. Hold that uh, thought. It, hold that thought. We'll be back here in just a moment. Well, this is Dr. Stan, and certainly John is calling from Spoke. From Spokane is concerned about the certainly the possibility that uh, Japan and certainly China and that whole area may be moving towards a war. Certainly, uh, John and I both concur. Terrible things lie ahead. Uh, certainly, John is talking about Marie Strong being over there in China. Marie's had to go over there because he got caught with some shenanigans of certainly uh, uh, embezzling or certainly making a few million dollars he couldn't legally. But under any circumstances, I think that certainly that whole part of the world may well be on the verge of war. John, I want to thank you so very much for calling, and please get the other people there in Spokane listening, will you? Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, that's John. Let's call to David calling from Dallas. Again, our number, one eight 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 two four liberty one triple eight two four liberty or 464 David, uh, Sydney, I don't know whether we have a good enough line, but go ahead. Do you have a question or comment? Uh, yes, sir, Dr. Stan. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I wanted to talk about China also, and uh, I believe that the official Chinese government, they made a statement that they intend on invading one of the islands in the Philippines. Well, there's something, there's something I think, either in the Philippines or in the China Sea or something of the sort they're talking about. It. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I would think it's sufficient to say by now that we know as well as the Chinese government knows, that we're never going to be able to pay that debt. Uh, and so it makes me curious, uh, could, uh, could add to that, how will America barter for debt to China? How will America barter for what? Uh, well, their IOUs, their marker. No, basically what you're saying is that we have a massive debt that will never be repaid. And what's going to happen? Well, that's a very good question. James, do you have any thought at all on that because, of course, uh, uh, David is saying, look, we're never going to be able to pay back all this money we owe. I certainly right borrowing a trillion dollars a year. We've actually increased the federal debt almost $7 trillion, not quite that, but almost $7 trillion in the six, a little over six years that Barack Hussein Obama has been in office. When he came to office, the debt was about $10.7 trillion, and it's about $17.3 to $4 trillion. Now we're, we're approaching $7 trillion increase in debt. Those are frightening figures. What are your thoughts? Well, of course, a lot of that uh, new debt that's taken place hasn't taken place on the back of China, which has financed so much of the debt before. But uh, China's holdings of U.S. debt has not really gone up very much in the last couple of years. It's really been the Federal Reserve that's taken over with the quantitative easing and the buying of long-term treasuries. So this is the new normal, whereby the debt is not supported by China or Japan or other countries. It's supported simply by the Federal Reserve printing it out of nothing. So that, I think, is the ultimate answer if China was ever going to kind of try to pull the plug and, and try to take their money out of the, the treasuries and, and use it elsewhere, which I don't think they really can do. There's no way for them to unwind that, really, without it uh, damaging themselves as much as anyone else. Um, but I, I don't think that's part of the game plan anyway. As I say, I think that this all-China-U.S. confrontation is, is a lot of smoke and mirrors, and uh, that's just one of the aspects of it. China has been financing the American military for so long. Why are they suddenly now the, the enemy? I mean, I, I think it's all a, a lot of parlor tricks and, and that sort of thing. But I guess I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Go right ahead. Well, I just think it's interesting how much more belligerence uh, the United States is going to put up, you know, from China in terms of speaking of uh, launching some military campaign. 
I mean, that would inevitably lead to a war neither country would be able to win. David, David, you've got to go back and reanalyze World War II. World War II was phony. 60 to 80 million people died in that phony war. We financed the, certainly uh, the, uh, the Germans, the, the German military, all during that war, and uh, we helped the, uh, the Nazis escape to South America. Remember the past. I think that's the best way to understand the present. Anything else you want to say before we let you go? Uh, no, sir. Uh, thank you, Dr. Stan. Thank you, Mr. Corbett. God bless. Our telephone number is one triple eight two four liberty one triple eight two four liberty or 464-295. Our guest is James Corbett, and James thinks that a lot of this bellicose and certainly argument back and forth between the United States and China is simply showbiz, and I would tend to agree with that. I think we're constantly being manipulated until people can understand that our emotions are being manipulated, we're being controlled, until we can think independently why we're not going to be able to or certainly evaluate what's going on or be able to survive the period of coming economic turmoil. Well, James, certainly uh, it doesn't look like the American economy is really, they keep telling us the economy is getting better, is it? Uh, short answer, not really. <laughs> um, and the best place to look for that information is the uh, the price-to-earnings ratio of stocks, which even the Federal Reserve is now coming out and saying is is reaching unprecedented levels. Um, they know that this is a parlor trick and it's a bubble that's been inflated. So a lot of this economic recovery is phony, and we're going to see that as the mask starts to come off in the coming years of uh, what's really happened here with the, the quantitative easing bubble that's been blown. I mean, you've got some of these stocks like Apple's that's no relationship at all to earnings, uh, and Google, and, and Facebook, and all of these. But ladies and gentlemen, do you have to have value if you're going to have a capitalistic system? And the value just isn't there. Our number is one triple eight two four liberty. Give us a call. Stan, I guess, is James Corbett. And James, certainly, what's really going on? We hear a lot of rumors about people like certainly Warren Buffett and certainly George Soros and some of the big hedge funds beginning to pull their money out of the stock market. Do you think this is a real factor? Certainly, uh, certainly is that stock market really pretty shaky now? We know that it's certainly way overpriced. What are your thoughts? Well, I think we, we should be hesitant whenever we see these stories about what Buffett and Soros are doing, because obviously they know that their actions are being closely watched. So anything that uh, is being reported about what they're doing could be a, a smokescreen behind what is really going on. And of course, one of the prime examples of that from history was back in uh, 1815, uh, back during the time of the Battle of Waterloo, where it was, uh, I believe it was Nathan Rothschild in London who um, managed to buy up the, the entire British uh, 
a market at the time for, for pennies on the pound because he was able to convince the public that uh, Napoleon had actually won the Battle of Waterloo when in fact he had lost. And, uh, and through that manipulation and that trick, he managed to start a mass sell-off on the British uh, market at the time and, and managed to go in with his agents later on and buy it all up. So, uh, so that is the type of uh, trick that they often use. So we have to be careful with, with those types of things be, that are being reported about what the big shots are doing. But having said that, I think there's no doubt that the, uh, as I say, the equities market is just a bubble at this point, a bubble that's been inflated through this uh, quantitative easing magic that the Federal Reserve has been doing. And of course, like any other magic trick, it is just a trick at base. And once people realize that it is a trick and that they have been tricked by all of this trillions of dollars of liquidity that's being injected into the system, then the uh, the illusion is shattered and the uh, the bubble pops. And I think that that's going to, to happen at some point. Um, as as we talked about there, the price earnings ratio that, that exists right now just cannot be maintained. And when you have stocks like Apple or even Twitter's IPO reaching these insane levels, it will come back down. What goes up must come down, especially when there's nothing to support it underneath. And so much of the economy right now is just this airy, fairy speculation that has nothing to do with reality. So when, when the cold air of reality hits that bubble, it is going to pop. And I think there are an awful lot of people who are going to get rid of the real problems, and I'm not smart enough to know what is going to happen. We'll be right back here. Well, this is Dr. Stan, and certainly our guest is uh, James Corbett, uh, who's calling us from uh, Japan, and we're talking to him over there. We try to have him on every week at this time. James, before we go on, why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can subscribe to the International Forecaster and how they can get in touch with you, get your information, and subscribe to, of course, to your financial... uh, I know you're not an advisor. I suppose you're a financial commentator, but how can they get in touch with you that like. Excellent. Well, if people are interested in the International Forecaster, that's a an e-newsletter that comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, 30 to 40 pages per edition, and it includes my editorial and a roundup of news and all sorts of information and economic uh, news that's happening so that people can stay up to date with the, the world economically, politically, socially, geopolitically. It's all there. So people who are interested can take a look at theinternationalforecaster.com. Once again, that's all one word, the internationalforecaster.com and if they go there they can find more information about the newsletter and they can find examples of my editorials and um, some of the other information that's contained therein. If it's your first time to subscribe you can also get a free introductory copy of the newsletter and if you want to just subscribe there's information there at the website about how to do that. If you want to write in for more information you can always write P.O. Box 7752 Winter Haven, Florida 33883. That's P.O. Box 7752, Winter Haven, Florida, 33883. And for people who are interested in my own work, I'm at CorbettReport.com. That's all one word, C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com, CorbettReport.com. And I'm in fact, right now as we speak, I'm still working on a documentary that I had hoped to have done before the new year, but it's uh, it's taking longer than I expected. I'm working on a documentary about the Federal Reserve, its creation, the past hundred years of how it's functioned, and how we can get to the point of actually abolishing the Federal Reserve. So um, you can look forward to that. That will be up completely for free, available on my website in the coming weeks. So I hope people will stay tuned for that. And this will be a DVD? 
I will make a DVD available of it as well, but it, uh, I want to stress that it is it will be completely freely available, 100% for free viewing on YouTube, and a transcript with uh, source sources to all my source documents. So that will all be up on the website in the coming weeks. And of course, all people right, who want to support me can always buy my DVDs. All right, very good. Well, of course, uh, we're looking forward to that. Well, let's go to Rich, who's calling us from Ben Lomond here in California. Our telephone number is one triple eight two four liberty All of the lines happen to be full right now, uh, so we seem to have hit a chord. Rich, did you have a question for our guest? Well, I, I want to say, you know, I don't remember what you said earlier with the exact trillions of dollars we are in debt, but for example, if, if your debt exceeds G and P, how could you possibly... Think it could ever possibly be paid off, and it, it, it looks to me like well, it's not going to be paid off. I can assure you that. But... I, I, yes, I, I agree. But, but uh, so, uh, but, yeah. but we're living a pretty good life now. You see, and this is the tragedy, at least as far as I'm concerned, is that as long as things are good, people aren't worried. Yeah, we got this massive debt, but we owe it to ourselves or part of it to ourselves. And yes, they're creating all this money out of nothing. And yeah, there's all these dollars all around the world that might come home here one day. And if they did, they'd destroy the value of our currency. But things are really pretty good, so why worry? And I think people should be worried and should be positioning themselves. And one reason I do what I do, and I suspect one reason James does what he does, is to warn people and get them prepared. But go right ahead, Rich. Did you have a question or comment? Well, that's basically uh, the way I think it should be looked at. It's uh, not necessarily overly simplistic, but the fact is it, it can't be paid. Right. Uh, so it's well, if if I can just inject here, I, I think it's important that we understand that this debt is completely fraudulent, that in fact the U.S. government doesn't need to go into debt at all, because the only thing that validates the, uh, the U.S. Treasury bonds is the good faith and credit of the U.S. government, which is the exact same thing that could um, cause the U.S. government to issue its own notes if it wanted to. But instead, it goes into debt to the Federal Reserve and to the banksters and to everyone around the world to create these notes, uh, which is just an insane situation system that doesn't benefit anyone except the bankster oligarchy. So it's important to understand that the debt itself is fraudulent. It should be repudiated. We should abolish the Federal Reserve. We should go at the very least to debt-free money um, and preferably to something like sound money and to get off this system altogether. And I know that's easier said than done, but I think we we have to bring that up as often as possible to show people that this, this debt that we talk about, that's this big sword of Damocles hanging over our head, is fraudulent and it needs to be repudiated. And why should we be paying the bankers interest on money they've created out of nothing? It's not real money. It's, it's all fraudulent. It's been fraudulent for a hundred years. And it's something we need, of course, to get people to understand. But unfortunately, the people who control the banking system also control or work with the people who control the media, who control the schools. And certainly we have in Washington, D.C., the finest politicians that banking money could buy. It's about time we took America back. Anything else, so Rich? Yeah, I, I, in conclusion, of course, this whole system is it's unfair. Yeah, right. At the very least. Amen to that. God bless. Thanks very much. Let's go to Ian calling us from Ontario, Canada. Hi, Ian. Do you have a question or comment? Uh, well, my comment is uh, uh, there are uh, several points tonight that are making me nervous because it all reminds me of a scenario in a book written by Tom Clancy back in the 90s. Debt of Honor was about a war between the United States and Japan that started initially was prompted by accusations against the uh, Japanese auto industry of faulty products, in that case, 
incendiary gas tanks. And um, the war started with uh, belligerent uh, threats uh, by various uh, nations against other nations in East Asia and Southeast Asia. But um, uh, it all ended up being uh, directed at the United States uh, in a surprise attack. And, of course, this was a book that um, uh, had in its scenario a Japanese airliner flying into the Capitol building in Washington, and years later Condoleezza Rice protested that nobody could imagine such a thing just after 9-11. Well, she wasn't... She she didn't read Tom... Go ahead. She didn't read Tom Clancy. But basically, she she obviously knew that they had actually... There had really been plans for this. This was all known ahead of time. They'd been warning about this. and uh, But, of course, uh, Condoleezza Rice simply lied. Uh, James, do you have anything, any comments at all? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, I think it is important to take a look at what some of these uh, some of these writers are, are writing about because, I mean, we can scoff at the idea of Tom Clancy affecting world events and things, but it is important to note that, I mean, Ian Fleming, for example, was MI5 or an MI6, actually, before that was even announced to the public. And all of these types of connections, uh, you know, 007 was, was more about the, his real-life experiences than, than um, I think, he let on. And, uh, and Tom Clancy, obviously someone who's written some of those, uh, those kind of predictive programming type books. So uh, whatever insight, types of insider information or connections he had might be important. And it is, I mean, it's interesting to think about something like a U.S.-Japan conflict, which it goes against everything that we would possibly think about. But I think it's those types of complete um, 180 degree sharp turns that the uh, the New World Order agenda uh, people like to, to throw at us, to, to throw uh, monkey wrenches into the works. And, uh, and again, it seems almost unthinkable at this point, but who knows how things can eventuate all we know is that the strings will be pulled from behind the scenes and the usual suspects will be behind it. But how they go about doing that is really anyone's guess. And as I say, I think the Asia-Pacific region is going to be the region to focus on in the coming years as this uh, agenda starts to move into into this region. All right, fine. Anything else, Ian, before we let you go? Well, what James Corbett just said was beautifully stated. And um, I, I wish I could have said it myself, but he said it. Ten times more clearly. Um, well, that's why, we, that's why we have James on because he does uh, put things out so well. Go right ahead. Yeah, um, I just finishing a book by Malachi Martin, Windswept House. Yes. And um, all the, his scenario there, especially um, uh, his comments on the bank, the international bankers, um, all those strings are suddenly coming together, and, and uh, uh, even a, a bigger picture is being formed in my mind. So. I, I know that you knew uh, Malachi Martin. I, I think you did, Dr. Stan. Um, and uh, you might have some reflections on his scenario that he presents in that book. Well, I'll tell you. Thank you very much. It's just a wonderful program this evening. And thank you to Mr. Corbett. You're more than welcome. And basically, we do have a four CD set of my interviews with Malachi. Where in one of those, he discusses his book, The Windswept House, and the satanic group that uh, worked in the basement of the Vatican, uh, having a human sacrifice time to coincide with a real human sacrifice, the feigned human sacrifice in the basement of the Vatican, but it was time to satisfy, to, uh, to, uh, coincide with the real human sacrifice being carried out by a, a parallel satanic group elsewhere. God bless. Thanks very much for calling. Uh, Ian, let's go to uh, George, who's calling us from Toronto, Canada. Again, our telephone number, one 888 And I put a plug in for that four-CD set, The Wisdom of Malachi Martin. I sent me a voice from the grave, a very important voice. Hi, George. Question or comment? Well, first of all, I've got to echo 
echo the comments from the um, previous caller, James Forbit is a really articulate speaking person, and, and we, the listeners do appreciate it. My question has to do with bank bail-in. Uh, Canada has agreed to do this. But my question is, James, if you have money in a money market under in a brokerage account, would it be vulnerable to, to these bail-in rules? Well, I think so. I mean, this applies to any financial institution un- that falls under the purview of uh, of the capital um, requirements, which I think does apply to to uh, brokerages and the like as well. Um, it's just a question of w- what institution uh, goes down in the event of this type of calamity. So I, I would say that there's there within the financial system, there's not going to be any particular safe haven or, or safe place to put this. I, I think if you're involved in that system and if you have your money there, it's going to be vulnerable. And George, if I can suggest the three rules of investing, diversify, diversify, diversify. Don't put all of your money into one place, please. Anything else, George? No, I do appreciate the show, though. Thanks, guys. God bless. Okay, let's go to Dave. He's calling us from central New York. And again, our telephone number is one 888 24 liberty one 888 or 464-295. If you're calling from here in the central coast of the United States, and I guess Dave is tied up for the moment. We'll try to get him as soon as we can. Well, certainly, uh, uh, James, as we see uh, this uh, new year coming about, and basically we see what I think is really a very, very weak economy, and certainly with only 70,000 new jobs last month. Remember, it takes 150,000 jobs this day even. I would think people would be very concerned, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. But again, I want to stress that the the, uh, the new year is, is, is to su- some extent at any rate, it is about what we make it. And I, I hope that we find a way to make it into something different. And, and I want to stress again that there are lots of different ideas and ways that this can be done. And I think it's important to, to stress that because often we get caught up in just talking about the negative effects of what's happening without talking about the solutions. And part of the solutions come again from what people are doing on the on their day-to-day level and what they they choose to be investing in in this system and uh like the the last caller was talking about talking about brokerages and and the like and if there's a safe way to get away uh, around these bank bail-ins um uh, it's just a sad fact that the entire financial system is tied in with each other and stock brokerages do keep their money um uh, market funds in overnight sweeps in too big to fail banks as ellen brown recently pointed out so uh so again uh, the the exact same brokerages are tied in with the same financial system that you and I use. So these bail-ins and things like that will affect everyone. The point is to move away from these um, these same places that, that all interact with each other and instead take our money and our funds and our time and our energy and our attention and focus it on on, on different ideas, on community-based ideas, on things that, that we can actually affect on our own local levels. And uh, again, there's lots of different examples of how this can be done. Um, in Colorado, there's the Colorado Mountain Hours. In New York, there's the Ithaca Hours. Uh, there's all sorts of different ideas for community currencies and alternative systems, uh, community banking, um, uh, uh, and and there's even ideas for public banks and, and things of that nature that are that are coming around and starting to take off. So again, there's a lot of solutions out there on the table. And I, I again, I just want to stress that the new year of 2014 is what we make of it. And if we're all invested in the stock market and looking towards what the Federal Reserve is doing, then um, we are heading towards calamity. But if we can band together as a community and to help support each other and 
to start transitioning off of this system, then ultimately we are the winners and uh, the New World Order agenda are the losers. And we need to get to a situation where we're not paying interest to the banks. Basically, they create money out of nothing, and then they lend it to us at interest. That's the greatest scam in the world. Well, right now, let's go to Dave, who's calling us from central New York. I telephone number, one triple eight two four liberty one triple eight two four liberty or 464-295. And hi, Dave, you have a question or comment? Yes, I do. I have a question for Mr. Corbett. I'm uh, holding a can of uh, salmon, the wild Alaska pink salmon. I thought it was uh, one can one time said it was from China, but this one says that uh, the uh, North uh, East Pacific. Is that safe to eat? And the other question would be, are the folks over there eating fish, or where are they getting their fish from? All right, you get a legitimate question. Did you get the questions? Yes, I did. Yes, an excellent question, and it is an important one because, of course, most of the uh, the contamination from the Fukushima uh, fallout has gone into the ocean directly. So it is important to be thinking about this. And unfortunately, the answer is that in Japan, people are pretty much going around business as usual and continuing to eat uh, fish, and the sushi shops are as uh, popular as ever, and uh, and a lot of people are treating this as if nothing really has happened at all, which is worrying, of course, because uh, the Fukushima fisheries have even been shut down by the, the government here, not not just once, but a couple of times. They were reopened and then closed again um, after uh, record levels of uh, contamination and uh, radioactive pollution was found in some of the fish that was being harvested there. So, so this is an ongoing concern, especially, of course, um, off of the coast of Japan, and that's why myself and my family are not eating seafood at this point, unless we know it's not coming from the, uh, any Anywhere around the uh, the Pacific uh, uh, and uh, the, the Japan area. Now, the the first sort of plumes of this radiation is starting to reach the West Coast right now. And from all of the measurements that we have access to, this is at this point uh, exceptionally low levels of radiation. At this point, it's been diluted by the entire Pacific Ocean so far. So uh, it has uh, it is a large and ongoing concern, and it continues to be. Um, I personally would not be overly concerned about uh, what's happening on the West coast of the United States right now. But in the coming years, I think it's going to be more and more of a uh, concern. And that's not to say that um, it isn't a concern at all right now. Of course it is. And any amount of radiation is bad. So um, it has increased by a, a very fractional amount, but that is still an increase in the risk of cancer. So for people who are concerned about that, I mean, I guess they can they can be doing what I'm doing, which is basically just boycotting Pacific Ocean um, seafood altogether. So, uh, so that's the short answer. The long answer, again, can be found on FukushimaUpdate.com where we're taking uh, keeping track of ocean contamination and all of the latest readings. Okay, Dave, does that answer your question? I guess one other question, is anyone checking fish or are they looking at radiation at what source? Uh, yes, there, there's a lot of different um, groups that are out there checking um, different types of contamination. Um, and uh, again, uh, it's too much information to go into, but a lot of that information is up on FukushimaUpdate.com. Just click on Ocean Contamination in the Tags tab on the right side of the, the page. Fukushima Contamination. Okay, God bless. Thanks very much for calling. And right now, let's go to Joe's calling from North Carolina. By goodness, we got an awful lot of callers. Hi, Joe. Do you have a question or comment? Uh, quick question about the bailing. Is it possible to put your money in your own home instead of putting it in the bank? Or something Hold that like thought. That? Hold that thought. We'll be back in a moment. Well, this is Joe calling from North Carolina. Are you just saying, is it possible to store your money in your home? Is that what you're saying? 
Huh. That's not a bad idea either, but I'm talking about investing in uh, repairs and insulation and uh, uh, adding on a porch or something like that. Okay, fine. Let's get James a response to that. Joe says that he worried about putting his money simply in the bank, thinking maybe it'd be better to invest it in repairs or upgrading his home. What would you think about that? Well, I think that's uh, more along the lines of what I, I think is uh, is a better way of doing it. I think we have to be starting to think about actually physical land and things that, that you can own. But, of course, you can only own it if you don't have to pay the government for it. And, of course, people do have to pay property taxes, which means they don't really own it. And the government can, can really confiscate it whenever they want if push comes to shove. And that's, unfortunately, the system right. we're living under. But, yes, I think it's a better idea to be investing in, in one's uh, property and real estate and, and keeping that as, as uh, up rather than just simply keeping money in in banks where um, they're earning tiny, tiny, tiny percentages of interest and could be subject to bail-ins and, and all of those calamities at any a moment's notice. Okay, anything else, Joe? No, I thought I was just worried about uh, my wife uh, saved up money. I didn't want to put it somewhere where it could be bailed in. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, Sydney, uh, you might. Uh, what do you think, uh, Sydney, uh, uh, James, about uh, getting into gold stocks today? Do you think that, uh, Sydney, well, people might be wise either to buy gold or silver or gold or silver stocks? Well, let me put it this way. I don't buy gold stocks myself. I buy physical right. gold. Um, and uh, the reason I do that is because th- I don't think the gold is worth the paper that it's written on. I think that uh, if you don't have it physically in your hand, you don't really have it. And I know that uh, there are there are um, margins to be made there. And when gold eventually does start to rise in price, I have no doubt that gold stocks will rise with them. But um, I, at this point, it's just not a market that I want to play. And it's so thoroughly manipulated right now that uh, gold certificates and the like are... Real gold. Real silver. Exactly. If you hold it in your hand, it's real. Thanks very much, Joe. And basically, we're just about out of time. Do you have a parting thought for our listeners before we let you go? Well, once again, let's just stress that uh, this talk of government debt and how we all have to tighten our belt because of it is, again, a complete fiction. Um, It's all based on this money that's created out of nothing by the banking system through fractional reserve banking. Uh, We have to work towards the elimination of that. And from what I understand, uh, Ron Paul is continuing, even from after Congress, beyond the grave, as it were, is continuing his fight to get uh, the audit of the Fed passed, which is an important part of the step towards the abolition of the Fed. And I think that's where we have to be moving. So once again, people have to learn their history in order to stop repeating it. And that's why I'm working feverishly on this Federal Reserve documentary behind the scenes. So stay tuned. Well, this is Dr. Stan and James is working feverishly on the documentary uh, that'll be up on his website in a week or two. And you'll let us know as soon as it is. And people can go there and watch the documentary on the Federal Reserve. Well, the most fraudulent system ever conceived of, by which, of course, the banks are allowed to create money and charge interest on it. And then, of course, we have to pay that interest of 3, 4, 5, 6, 8%, depending upon whatever they ask. And basically, they make this out of nothing. They don't have anything. They can certainly loan $9, certainly on $1 they have on deposit. It's the greatest scam of all time, and very few people really understand. Any parting thoughts, James, before we let you go? Well, the uh, the only other parting thought is that the entire history of the United States has been a struggle against that banking oligarchy um, from taking control of the money supply, and that struggle ended in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve. So it's incumbent on us to reawaken that uh, that struggle and to understand that the, the real struggle is against the, the banksters who want to control the money supply, and, and there are ways 
that we can fight against it. So let's uh, let's continue to do that and make 2014 a better year than 2013. Uh, good. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye. And I'm going to have, we have Joe.